Hello, everyone, and welcome to Oh, a Podcast, the podcast about playing games and making games. Brought to you by O-Rock Studios. I'm Paul Franzen, the head boy of O-Rock. And I'm Michael Gray, the head writer of O-Rock. How's it going today, Michael? Uh, I guess it's going okay. Do we have... I mean, do we have video game news? I I had notes, and my first note is a complaint about programming. Okay, um, perfect. Because I know that's been a theme lately. But isn't it weird how the equal sign isn't like they need double equal signs to mean equal in programming? <laughs> well, yeah, obviously the you use the single equal sign to set a variable and then double equals to check a variable. Makes perfect sense. But I'm Very like, straightforward. If dollars in my pocket equals three, I, I don't know. That means dollars <laughs> in my pocket now becomes three. But if it's dollars in my pocket equal equal three, then it's dollars in my pocket equal three. That's what I'm checking. I don't, I don't it's know. even more confusing because dollar sign also means something in code. <laughs> so if you use dollar sign dollars equals. Oh, I, I've had it a couple uh. times like in my scripts where I just write somebody says 100% or, 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 or something. And <laughs> Yeah, uh, you got to remember to put the little line before the percent symbol. But what 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 if I Ren wanted Pai to use like the it. little like slash line for something else? Like I'm a lover <sighs> slash fighter. Um, I think if you use a double slash, maybe like slash slash. But what if I want to use a double slash? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That's it. Just it just keeps going. Slashes all the way down. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> sorry, my uh, my my dog is attempting to jump into the podcast as we speak. As soon as I introduced the podcast, he ran up to me and started shaking his butt and wagging his tail at me. Oh, this is a dog podcast now. Yeah. Yeah. Cedric, who's a good boy. That's right. Okay. He doesn't actually, uh, he doesn't really bark or anything, so I don't think he'll be contributing much uh, to an audio <laughs> medium. Uh, all right. So what are we talking about? Video games. Video games. Well, I, I had another coding complaint yeah. that I wrote down. I don't know I wrote. But for some reason, it makes a difference um, where you put the if, if, I don't even know what you call it. The word if. Statement. The if statement. statement. Yeah, that sounds right. So I can say, you know, if dollars in my pocket equals three, then put a hotspot at this point in the uh, screen. The hotspot being just a thing that you can click on. But I can't say... Mm -hmm. Put a hotspot at this portion of the screen if dollars in my pocket equals three. Gotta put the if first when it comes to hotspots. Yeah. I don't know why that's the case. Yeah, if dollars equals three, then or I guess you don't you don't want to type then. I always think of it in terms of if then, which was a thing that I used to use when I was coding in like basic, which is the ancient programming language they taught us in high school. I think it, I think you literally type if and then the variable and then you type the word then and that's that's sort of where a lot of this stuff comes from. Yeah, but now they have if colon colon basically means then though. Yeah. And then the next line needs to be indented for some reason. I don't know. I I like the indents. I think it makes everything look nice and neat. Yeah. It does. Espe especially when you're you're doing like 
endings in a in a game like you can do like if a good ending and then the whole good ending is indented and then then the bad ending is also separately indented it makes it easier to to find them i think oh and no i i i hate that if i <laughs> <laughs> that's the case it's like if good ending jump good ending and then i have a whole scene which is uh. just the good ending not indented and <laughs> you monster i can't <laughs> stand doing like the the extra space every time <laughs> oh you can you can highlight a big chunk of text and, and indent it all at once if that helps it how uh. wow this is great information yeah, you, you to just know. uh select a big chunk of text and hit tab and it indents everything i mean depends on what program you're using like i use uh sublime text for all of my coding and it works in there uh and if you do Mm. shift tab you unindent everything that's selected i was also gonna say but on renpy with uh the thing about putting the if needs to be first whenever you have hot spots is uh in renpy Mm. when you have a menu like the if needs to be second so if I've got a list of items, it's like, what do you want to buy? It's like, well, no, item number one, if you have enough money. Oh, right. You're saying like when you're doing a list of like dialogue options, you yeah, yeah, yeah. type out the option. And then at the end of it, at the end of that list, that that uh, each item, I'm sorry, at the end of each item, you then type like if, yeah, dollar sign equals three or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of reversed from how if statements usually work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know why it does it that way. Yeah, and then I think the only other, I don't know, too much complaining about programming. I guess I can save my it's complaints. Fine. I mean, we're, for, we're, we're, computer, we're computer game developers. Of course we hate programming. For, for later, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about great Ace Attorney, right? <laughs> oh, yes, can we? Can we forget everything about game development and just talk about that? Uh, how far are you in it right now? Uh, I finished case number two. I'm probably going to try to start case number three today. All right, cool. Yeah, I've, I've been playing uh, with my wife, Lizza. We're we're a little ahead of you. We're uh, we're partway into case number four so far. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Well, it goes a little faster when you're not uh, recording it for YouTube. I guess. You, you guys have probably met the hot prosecutor. <laughs> I assume there's a hot oh, prosecutor. Yeah. <laughs> there is how could you tell oh can i tell you one of my favorite things from case number one though it's where where the main character is like i mean it's just like every other ace attorney series game whatever he he doesn't really know how to be a lawyer yet and and at first when he does the typical ace attorney like bang the table shout an objection he, he goes to hit the table and it just makes the tiniest like whimper of a sound i love it so much just like <laughs> objection it's so funny. I don't know why. It, it happens like three or four times that it cracked me up every single time. Oh, I love oh, it. I, I mean, I noticed the animation of him like trying to slam his hands down and moving mm-hmm. them like left and right. I think that's what I noticed because yeah. it made it look like he was very unsure. Yeah, that's a problem with, I guess, me playing it on for YouTube. I can't really hear the game when I'm recording uh, it. Yeah, I have to play it. I have to have this the volume down low otherwise it comes in my microphone and then right. people hear like a double sound and so i'm missing out on all the cool stuff that that's pretty much the most exciting sound thing i've noticed so far so it's okay <laughs> and then there's a bunch of jokes about they can't pronounce the name sherlock holmes which i'm sure is hilarious in japanese but 
<laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, you haven't seen it yet. There are multiple characters who refer to him as Herr Lock, like it's German, and it's his title. And I don't. I, I, it's not really landing that well with me. Uh, but I can forgive it because Herr Lock Sholmes is my favorite character in the entire game. I think he's the best. Oh man, I don't know. I I think I I mentioned this to you. I I thought he was not that funny or interesting for like oh. the first hour or so because it's basically just him repeating the same joke over and over again, which is he says something outlandish mm. and ha ha ha, this guy's an idiot. I always like idiot characters though. Yeah, but then later on through the case he becomes like competent or less screwing around and and then i liked him better or whatever you call it once he becomes sort of on your side and stops like you know being a jerk pointing at the main character and laughing i i liked him better i i do really enjoy the uh the dance of deduction sequences you've you've seen one of those by now right yeah i saw both of them in case number two both, okay yeah yeah i i do enjoy <laughs> <laughs> these these puzzles where this guy makes these incredibly wrong assumptions based on faulty logic and then your job is to then correct all of it and, and in the end the guy still like thinks that he did everything correctly which i think is kind of funny well i mean i thought it was more like a mad lib style puzzle where he's like okay over there in that corner yeah. is the piece of evidence that i need to prove prove the point but he's pointing at the wrong piece of evidence, and so you pick which of the three pieces of evidence is the correct one. It felt more like a Mad Libs puzzle to me that way. Sure, I can see that. Because I noticed that um, he doesn't really seem to change his phrasing. Like, it's just the piece of evidence that got swapped. <laughs> so it's like he's got the right form of the argument. He's just got the wrong thing he pointed at. <laughs> Yeah, I think I just think it's funny that he's like so one thousand percent sure of his assertion, and as soon as you tell him actually it's something else, he's like, "Oh yes, of course," and he's one thousand percent sure of that now instead. Uh, yeah. that, that that level of confidence is is incredible. <laughs> I do love it. He's like, "Oh yeah, I knew it was one or the other." Yeah, that's okay. That's, yeah. that's right. <laughs> he says that at one point. I do like the, the, the logic deduction dances. I wish that had been um, more quickly done, like the first time through, and then mm. it took its time when when you're doing the second time through where you get to correct the assumptions and point things out. Because, like I said, I, I'm recording this for YouTube, and so, like, the first logic dance, I think it's like 10 to 15 minutes before you actually get to uh, make choices. <laughs> it's like it's a long time before the first one is especially brutal like that i feel like mm -hmm. because yeah his whole his whole spiel is very long and then you have to go through it all a second time while you're pointing out all the all the issues with it um i don't think it it continues to be like that um i mean i i found that uh the first case especially but both of the the, the first couple of cases uh get really repetitive um i found that especially in the first case like we would we would make a point and then we would have to make that point like six more times and every character in the courtroom would have to comment on that point and then we would have to reconsider the point like it, it felt like they would take that long before we'd get to move on and, and move on to the next piece of the story it was driving me out of my mind um i don't know if they just thought we were idiots and needed to be told everything 17 different times or what but 
I, I, it feels like that's gotten a lot better as the game progresses. But that was that was that was rough. It was rough going. For yeah, a bit. I, I, I mean, after you commented that, I, uh, I kind of <laughs> noticed it when I was playing, and then I, it, it did get super annoying once I noticed that. It's like, okay, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Suzato says we need to do something. Then Ryo, Ryu says we need to do something, and Shulm says, wait, is this the thing you need to do? Yes. And he's like, yes, that's the thing I'm going to do. Whereas, you know, a normal person would just say, hey, Shulm, you're wrong, instead of talking about... Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think the issue is highlighted uh, for me playing it with another person, and actually probably for you playing it in a YouTube format. Um, if I'm just playing the game by myself, I'm just like sitting there and I can mash the A button and just kind of skip through all the repetitive stuff. But you can't really do that when you're playing with someone else or playing for an audience. So I, I think the way we're playing the game might be exacerbating the issue a lot. It's it's much easier to skip text if you're the only one who is reading it, I think. Yeah, I know the game has an autoplay feature. Have you tried that? Oh, yeah, that, so that's actually what we've been using, yeah. Um, and that's that that's great because uh, when we've played games like this before, it, it gets kind of annoying um, with one person controlling when the text continues and the other person saying, okay, next line, okay, you can keep going, you know, so we so everyone can get on the same page. So we, we've been doing the autoplay in this game uh, to avoid that. Um, but as a result, like I said, I can't really skip through stuff when it gets repetitive. Um, and also it just kind of slows us both down in general, I feel like. Yeah, does the autoplay... Um... Gosh, what what does it do for puzzles? Does it just automatically solve the puzzle for you, or forces you? <laughs> uh, I, well, I I I feel like there was a there is some sort of mode for that where it solves the puzzles. That's that's not what I'm doing. I'm just like it's just basically pressing A for me. It like you read a line of dialogue, it pauses for one second, and then it like conti- it continues on to the next piece of dialogue. Um, that that's all that does. And you can you you can't you can't change like how quickly the words appear on the screen like you can uh, in any of our games for example you can only control how long it pauses before it goes to the next line of dialogue so I think also the dialogue speeds a little slower than I would have liked and I and I wish there was an option to speed that up uh, but there isn't <laughs> I do appreciate I, I hope this isn't too big of a spoiler for the first two cases. I appreciate that <laughs> that he is the defendant in both of those cases. I thought that was pretty a pretty interesting way to do it. And the second one isn't even a case, right? It's all investigation. You just have to prove that you didn't do it. That was, that's wild. I don't think there's ever been a, a a case in an Ace Attorney game before that didn't actually have a case. Well, I mean Ace Attorney Investigations... Oh yeah, good point. So it's more trying to prove your uh I mean, prove your innocence like they do in Ace Attorney yeah. investigations. But yeah, there was no courtroom segment in case number two. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was really wondering about that. I'm like, are we gonna have a courtroom like after we get off the boat? Are we gonna like they keep saying that we're near I forget, they there was some country they kept saying was gonna be the next place we, we uh I think it was Hong could... Kong was like the next stop. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, are we going to have, like, this weird one-off case in Hong Kong? That doesn't seem... And then there just was no trial. It it was just the, the 
five characters talking inside a yeah in, inside a room basically but still it was kind of a lot of investigation i'm not sure how well that would hold up upon replaying i got yeah, stuck I trying to find like the one piece of evidence in the room that you need to to search for and it turns oh, out the solution was Michael. just no you need to walk outside you've actually looked at everything <laughs> I'm like, oh come on! Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. I think that I think that tripped us up too. We're like, okay, I guess we'll move to the other room, even though there's nothing. We already did everything there, and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's an event there. So have you actually read um, that Sherlock Holmes story, The Adventure of the Speckled Band? No, I didn't know that was a real story. I have, but it's a long. It's been years and years. <laughs> so, so, but it's um. The case is kind of dumping pretty heavily on... Uh, so, to explain, case number two, Sherlock Holmes mm -hmm. comes up with an explanation which pretty much matches one of his stories, and then all the characters just dump on him because he's an idiot, and that's obviously not true. <laughs> They're like, what? Snakes can't hear whistling. Well, you you will, uh, as you continue through the game, Michael, you were, you will learn a little bit more about how uh, how the stories are written in, in this universe in a, in a way that I thought was kind of interesting. That's cool. I always like the... Um, I'm sure my thoughts on how it's going to happen are incorrect, but there are like Sherlock Holmes fans that <laughs> think that, you know, there was an imposter Sherlock Holmes at one point, and I... I think it's basically the stories that people generally don't like. They say, oh, obviously it was imposter Sherlock Holmes who was solving those stories. <laughs> I think it's the return of Sherlock Holmes or whatever the book is, which has like a higher number than normal of impossible mystery solutions. <laughs> They're like, clearly it was just the imposter. Because it's, it's not just that oh, snake one. There's oh, also harsh. one where he's like tracking bicycles and uh, the culprit was riding a bicycle backwards through the woods to, to fake the tracks. The Wait, how do you ride a bicycle backwards? Something like that. And, and, and as you just said, it's like, no, that's impossible. You can't actually do that in real life. Just, just like the snake thing. It's like the author making stuff up without doing the research. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, overall, I'm definitely enjoying the game. Uh, uh, and it's I'm in a fun I'm in a good position to be playing it right now since I just replayed Apollo Justice and uh, attempted to replay Dual Destinies before it just totally put me to sleep. So uh, that that I think I think that means I'm in a good position to say that this one's definitely better than uh, Dual Destinies at least at least so far. Uh, we'll see if it gets bad at some point, but uh, as of right now, each case each uh, yeah each case has only really gotten more interesting for me than the previous one. Yeah, and I feel like with like the original trilogy, like the first case was always like forty minutes long, right? Something yeah, really yeah. short, and then the, the cases got longer <laughs> and longer as they go along. So it's it's kind of different um, to like not have the giant, humongous case at the end, but keep them somewhat the same length. I kind of like that though. The uh, first case in this one uh, could have been forty minutes long if they didn't repeat themselves so much. Ouch. <laughs> getting a good editor getting there I, c I could make that case 40 minutes long i'm pretty sure um i don't know i feel like Maybe, okay i'm i'm exaggerating i'm sure but i bet i i could shave like an hour at least off of the runtime for that case i think 
Just go Definitely. in every time we move on to a new discussion topic. Just keep in the first like two lines of dialogue and then cut like the next 10 until we move on to the next discussion topic. That's something I noticed with, uh, I think so it was probably Dual Destinies. It could have been the one that came after Dual Destinies too, though. Uh, but Spirit the, of Justice, yeah. The game definitely did seem to be written in that way where it's like, okay, here's topic number one, here's topic number two, here's topic number three. And, yeah, no, I think it was, I think it was Dual Destinies, because there would be, like, Black Will going on and on about, it's like, oh, you just made yeah. this point, Athena, now I'm gonna trash it, and we're just gonna ignore that topic until we come back to it, like, so was the thing you found about uh, Black Will could have been, like, a swearing prosecutor? yeah. That was I was reading uh, I was reading about the localization of uh, Dual Destinies and they said like in the uh, original Japanese version of Dual Destinies the the character's dialogue is written quite differently he he has like a very coarse style to his language that they did not bring over for the English version uh, for one uh, because they wanted to try to keep the rating down which I think didn't work anyway because isn't that game rated M Yep uh, but anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we could have had, like, the swearing samurai as the prosecutor, and I think that would have made for a much more interesting character than this character who was built on uh, samurai tropes that, uh, you know, unless you know a lot about samurai lore, don't really translate at all. Yeah. It could have at least given him more of a, uh, of a character trait for people to hang on to. It it, it was weird. It, it just seemed to be that he was talking in sword metaphors a lot. And I know it worked <laughs> with the, the one prosecutor to talk in coffee metaphors a lot, but... Which also kind of got old and annoying after yeah, a while. I don't think the sword stuff worked very <laughs> well, though, because th that seemed to be like the extent of his samurai-ness. Um <laughs> I thought it was, I couldn't, I, I still can't tell, like, is he, like, he has an animation where he looks like he's kind of doing something with his arm, and I can't tell if he's actually stabbing out with a sword, and it's just so fast we can't see it, or if he's throwing, you know, a, a ninja stars or something. I, sh I thought he was, like, throwing say. feathers from his hawk. It makes sense. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, swearing villain, that would have been interesting, because he's supposed to be like yeah. an intimidating criminal. I feel like that could have worked. And I, and I feel like there's ways you can do it without, like, you know, dropping F-bombs all over the script. You could, you know, just kind of do it a little more sparingly, like, have him, and, and it could be like, and have them be, like, censored like we do when we have cursing characters in uh, one of the Cat President 2 pathways, just kind of bleep it out, or, you know, have him use... I don't know, like words that sound like curses, like when they dub Die Hard for TV. <laughs> yeah. Sound alikes. I don't know. I, th I feel like there's there's a way they could have done that, and it might have added an extra dimension to a character that, that was sort of all over the place. I mean, I, I also think the, the idea of him being this prosecutor that's also actively in prison was kind of an interesting idea, but then the game just leans so much more on the samurai part of that and less on the this guy is in prison part, which was much more interesting. They just got rid of the samurai part entirely and having being a, a, a swearing uh, inmate, that might have been kind of fun. Yeah, that, that could have been interesting. 
Yeah, because it sounds like they were also trying to make him this Victorian-style fancy-talking yes. <laughs> person, and that did not come across, like, at <laughs> all. I guess there's a couple of places where he's like, what, the blighter or something like that? Uh, he uses the word, like, blighter or something when he's surprised. I'm like, where did that come from, samurai guy? <laughs> <laughs> Victorian samurai. Yeah, I guess yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's funny because when when this game when Spirit of Justice first came out, I was also really into them. So I don't I mean I I'm concerned that you know in 10 years from now I'm going to think Great Ace Attorney is also bad and I'm just like it right now because it's new and we haven't had a new Ace Attorney game in a while. Um I definitely did enjoy these games more when they first came out. Oh, I don't know. I guess. I mean, Great Ace Attorney is trying new things, and I haven't, like, gotten upset with the gimmicks yet. Granted, I only did two of, like, the dance <laughs> deductions, so... But it, it's also... Fun. Oh, you haven't gotten to the uh, parts with the jury yet, have you? There is no jury. I have not seen a jury yet. That sounds uh, interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, at least in uh, case number... Three, uh, there, there is a jury and there are multiple witnesses that you're sort of interrogating simultaneously. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, Great Ace Attorney has been very interesting so far. Having case number two, like like you said, be an investigation case and not really a courtroom case is different. Because yeah. we haven't met our main prosecutor yet. And... I don't know. I, I guess some people will complain. It feels like they're really dragging things out, but it, it still seems really interesting to me, even though, you know, I already know that our main character is going to go to England and, and have adventure times there. The game keeps <laughs> keeps pretending he's just going to stay here in Japan, but... <laughs> uh, um, I, I, I What I think is cool, too, is... Again, aside from the repetitive stuff aside in the dialogue, um, I think the game's pacing has been pretty good. And that's sort of what you were saying, too, about how so far all the cases seem to be roughly the same length. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know in uh, some of the other Ace Attorney games, uh, even the original trilogy, I, 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 I generally don't really like the part where we get to the end of trial and it's like, now we're going to have to do another day of investigating and, tri and trial. And I'm like, that's, that's so much. I'm ready to do a different case now. And I don't think this game does that. I think this game uh, just has investigation and then trial. Interesting, um, yeah. I, so I appreciate. One day, one day trials. That is interesting, yeah. Yeah. I'll look we'll forward to, see, to that. Because this is a... This is also a, a two-part game, right? So these first five cases are, are basically one game, and then the next five cases are also one game. It's all one package, but so I haven't gotten to the second game yet. Yeah, I thought those games... I don't know if those two games were, like, designed as a package. I thought they came out, like, a year after each other, one to two years, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think they were released uh, individually in Japan, but we... we got them uh, as one big package here. Yeah, so I wonder I how related they are. Uh, don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if it's, like, the same prosecutor in both cases, you know? Yeah! <laughs> Going back to um, Dual Destiny, so I was complaining that, that it seems very clear-cut, where it's like, okay, this section is, we're gonna exhaust topic number one, and then move on to topic number two and exhaust that. 
Uh, yeah. I feel like I'd put more emphasis on to just completely exhausting the topic before moving on, and it is kind of frustrating uh, when you're replaying the game, and and you know whatever little trick uh, is going to be revealed, but you still have to go through exhausting, you know, the topic. I'm forgetting a specific example. I don't remember the cases that well. Sure. <laughs> There's a reason you don't remember them that well. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. Part of me now, like after I pl- after playing this, I sort of want to go back and play like uh, the the Professor Layton crossover game, uh, and maybe maybe jump back into Dual Destinies. I don't I don't know because I I feel like because I, I mentioned I gave up around case number three, and then I think it was Diana was like, but no, the good cases you you didn't get to the good cases yet. <laughs> oh well, Dual Destinies, yeah. So it's it really yeah. is just case one. Four and five, which should be played together, yeah. and then case. I'm I'm looking at it now. So case two was that Japanese monster um, case. I wrestlers, hate that case. and then case that number three so... was Ugh. the school case, which was kind of interesting, but then ended up not being as interesting. But the cool prosecutor came back, so that was neat. Yeah, I was like halfway through case number three and I couldn't make it. The 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 one with the man, I love wrestling too. I still like I don't understand what they're talking about in half of <laughs> case number two. It's another another one that just like didn't didn't translate well to the US. Like I don't really understand who, why everyone's dressed as monsters. <laughs> And what parts of this we're supposed to think are real and what parts we're supposed to think are obviously fake is just it didn't it didn't work for me. And I, I think that's the one that really killed it for me. You're right, though. Case one isn't that bad. The uh, the mad bomber in the courtroom. That one was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Four or five and one are basically those three cases make up a trilogy. And that's <laughs> the other two cases are just silly throwaway cases. I guess they're supposed to introduce you to uh you know get more of a sense for Athena and her backstory. Yeah. Uh and then there's that cute girl who likes Apollo wh- who never gets seen again, so forget that, I guess. <laughs> like, oh. Uh, should we talk about actual video game development? Sure, let's hear some actual video game news. Uh, what have you been doing? Sure. <laughs> yeah, um so I I've been making very steady progress on uh, let's just say it. It's called Too Many Santas. That's the official name now of the Santa Claus game. Woo-hoo! Too Many Santas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the name, it's the name Michael came up with, uh, I believe, like right away. Uh, I finished, I believe last month I had finished the first pathway. Uh, this month I finished the second pathway, the, the uh, secret Santa pathway. Ooh. I just uploaded a build uh, for testing uh, this morning, actually. Uh, so that one's ready to go. Um, there was a big debate on Twitter this past week on my Twitter feed at Paul M. Franzen uh, about whether too many Santas should have an exclamation point at the end. Where where do you fall on that uh, discussion, Michael? Well, what what was the vote? I noticed you put that up to a vote on uh, Twitter. It was like 90% said yes to the exclamation point. I guess we should keep the exclamation point then. <laughs> it's too many Santas. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I, after I did that, I was like, oh gosh, I, I, I hope I hope we're not releasing too many games on Steam that have exclamation points at the end of their title. 
Uh, and then I looked it up, and we've never released a game with an exclamation point in the title before. <laughs> so I guess we're actually okay in that regard. <laughs> I don't know why I thought half our games already did that. Does Orock have the exclamation point? Did it get deleted by Steam? <laughs> Steam still has it. It's just Facebook that refuses to give me my exclamation point. Uh, it's on It's on Steam. Yeah, I guess th- that must have been what I was thinking about. Um... But yeah, so so that's exciting. Two pathways done. Name finalized. Um, uh, I'm going to be taking. Uh, I don't want to call it taking a break, but by the next thing I'm going to be doing is not coding, uh, but I'm going to be assembling uh, the public Steam store page uh, for the game. I don't. I don't think I've talked about this too much on the podcast before, but um, whenever I read an article that's like how to market your indie game, one of the things that that is pretty much universally said is that you should try to get your steam page up uh, early. Like as soon as you have a description and screenshots ready to go, you should be getting that steam page up um, because that way you can start getting people to, to wish list your game, to add them to your wish, add it to their wish lists. Uh, because apparently uh, the, the algorithms really like it when you have a lot of people wish listing your game like uh especially at launch it'll it'll make your game much more visible on the Steam website um and besides that there's stuff like when the game releases everyone who's added to their wish list will get a notification about it so it's like it's all around really good for you to be building that up uh as soon as you can and as much as you can um so I'm I'm going to be doing it a, a lot earlier this time than I usually do well, you only usually only do it like a month in advance this is a while in advance. Gosh. I don't know when this game's coming out. Yeah, it makes me wonder if we should do that for the, the Oregon Trail game. <laughs> I, <laughs> I could make yeah. up uh, I mean, screenshots. Think about. Yeah. You know what though? You ha- it makes you do all the stupid little logos though before you can just even like even put the store page up. Not not even release the game. Just have the the store page up. You still have to make all the stupid graphics. I was oh, very upset to learn that. No, you no. don't have to. You don't have to have a trailer, but you do have to have the eight hundred logos. Because oh, obviously be the trailer is way easier to make than eight hundred yeah. logos. Here's the logo if you're using a, a phone. Here's the logo if you're using a tablet. Here's the logo if you're using a different tablet. Ugh. Oh. And they're, uh, I, I wish uh, different sizes and different dimensions, so you can't just make one scalable image. It's infuriating. I'm going to complain about that every single time we release a game, too. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> it's a shame, because otherwise it would be, you know, as easy as getting the Steam store description written, which I don't have to do. Michael gets to do that part. And Yay. taking screenshots, which is very simple. Um, but no, I gotta make all the images and that means just figuring out what our logo looks like, what our cover slash box art slash whatever you want to call it looks like. Um, but I, I think it's a good idea, um, and it would also give me something to like link to whenever I whenever I post, you know, a screenshot or you know a little snippet of dialogue or whatever on Twitter. I can also then include the link to the Steam page in that tweet uh, and maybe gain some more wishlets that way too. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good idea. I think. Gosh, yeah, you can't. I guess. Hmm. I was wondering if there would be a way to get around that. Just have a bunch of placeholder logos and like have in your description <laughs> placeholders. But 
I don't think Steam would like that. Uh, that would be interesting. I think, I think, unfortunately, I think they do like, I th- yeah, I think they do it for the Steam store page. They, they, uh, they actually look over all these things manually and you'll get in trouble if you do stuff like that. <laughs> uh, like they won't, they won't let you release it. I was thinking about going and taking some special pictures for like the, the cover or the title screen, but uh, Mary's in the game and she's gotten a haircut since then, so I'm not sure how to do that. <laughs> this is this is for the uh, Oregon City game. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I keep going back uh, of whether That's or not funny. to say Oregon City or Oregon Trail in the in the title of the game. Yeah. Oh man, I wish I knew if putting Oregon Trail in the name would get us in trouble. <laughs> Um, it's not illegal because it's, because we've got an adjective and, uh, Oregon Trail itself would be an adjective because the title would be the Lost Oregon Trail Gold. That would be enough to, uh, you know, prevent us from not being sued by the owners of Oregon Trail. (laughs) Yeah, but the game also, like... It's not really about the Oregon Trail, right? It's more about Oregon City, specifically. Yeah, but I feel like the title... <laughs> just having Oregon Trail in the title would be... I... <laughs> boost sales by 500%. I'm, I... <laughs> I know. I'm just searching on Steam to see if anyone else has tried this trick yet. I'm not seeing anything that has... Not even, like, there aren't any actual Oregon Trail games on Steam, which is kind of funny. You'd think they would have put one on there. Ooh, there's the Climate Trail. Oh, I'm going to play that one later. Yeah, I don't know. It makes me very wary. We should talk to our legal assistant about that. <laughs> the O'Rock Legal Department. Well, I, I mean, I know that's what they do on TV shows all the time. Like, uh, I think the mm-hmm. big example is Ghostbusters, how they had to call the TV show Real Ghostbusters because somebody else had <laughs> Ghostbusters yeah. down for TV. It's like, oh, we just slap an adjective on it and we're good. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I think I think we'd have to talk to someone who who knows anything. Maybe yeah. Yes, get Diana's input on that. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I w- I was gonna say too. I saw. Uh, speaking of Oregon City and and the lost Oregon City slash Oregon Trail Gold, uh, I saw that you made a a, a very interesting. I don't know how to phrase it. Uh, I saw you. <laughs> you adopted the pen. You adopted the penny that's featured in the game. Yes, that's. I thought it would be nice. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. So nobody will know what we're talking about since obviously the game's not out yet. But there's that that famous penny that I guess we talked about it on here before. That like, what was it? It determined what the name of the city would be. Yeah, that's of how Portland, they picked the name of Portland yeah. was they did a coin flip at the uh, Ermatinger house and um I they the museum there let me adopt the penny which is very nice. I had to pay so them money cool. for it, but <laughs> well yeah. It's cool. I got like <laughs> an so official official thing for it. But yeah, yeah, no, cuz there's a puzzle at that museum in the actual game finding this penny. And um I should say that in the actual game, it's not the real penny that's in the museum. They didn't let me take the penny uh. out of the museum and, and play with it. It is it hey, is very firmly locked now. in the it's cabinet. It's your penny. <laughs> you should be able to do whatever you want with it. It's like I, I adopted this penny. Open the cabinet. Let me let me flip it a yeah. couple of times. I have custody of this penny. <laughs> it's legally binding. It's <laughs> getting my lawyer on this. 
I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's not the actual penny. There's a like the Oregon Historical Society in Portland claims they have the actual penny. What? Oh, I didn't know there was there was a dispute about this. The disputed penny. I don't. <laughs> the dispute is. I feel like this this might be really confusing for our, our listeners, but um, <laughs> just just play the game, uh, you know, when the game comes out, and, and then come back to this podcast and listen. But um, there are three people involved in the coin toss, and so we don't know whose house it actually happened at. It happened at one of their three houses. We don't know which one, but there's only one of those three houses that still exists. So we just say, hey, it's the Ermatinger house. That's oh, definitely that one. Because the other guys' houses don't exist anymore. So it, we'll just pretend the, the coin toss definitely for sure happened there. And then everything else I've done with the Oregon Trail game has been pretty straightforward. I took pictures at the Oregon Trail Museum. And that was just a nightmare trying to get those pictures to to work. I should have gone back and just taken new pictures, but I had no idea what I was doing when I originally took pictures eight nine months ago, mm-hmm. however long it was. So, oh yeah, and we had issues with the uh, with that one picture, right? Because the 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 sign it was like a historical sign that you uh, that's featured in the game, uh, and the real life sign is currently covered in graffiti. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so people will notice that that uh, as soon as you get close to the sign, the graffiti disappears. <laughs> Next is going to be me having trouble on the, the bridge scene, so that'll be fun to do. I don't know how to make a button appear. I think I've mentioned this. Um, basically, all over the game, there's this uh, button that says back to map, and then you click on the button, you get taken back to the map of the game. And I have to, like, copy-paste that, you know, those six lines of code to uh, make the back-to-map button appear. I I have to copy-paste that on every single screen of the game, and that's just a huge pain. (laughs) It feels like there should be a way to just, like, program it so I do that six line of code once, and then I don't have to copy-paste it all the time. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I don't know what it is, but it seems like something that you should be able to do. Yeah, so on an upcoming scene of the Oregon Trail game, it's going to be something similar. I'm going to have to make a whole new button for, like, put on sunglasses and have that on all, let's see how many screens there are, all 90, yeah, 90 different screens. So I'm going to have to have a button to toggle. Why are there 90 screens? That's so many screens. (laughs) <laughs> too many screens with it with an exclamation point just for this one scene yeah well oh my gosh i don't know if that's going to be a puzzle people like or not but that's the way it is so uh, is it because like is it like a bunch of different versions of a few screen is it like screen with sunglasses screen without sunglasses or is it really 90 separate locations it's 90 separate locations. It's more like 19 separate locations. And um, each location, I take a picture in a different direction. And there are oh, okay. several oh, several close-ups, too. Am I going to get lost in this section again like I did in the woods I think in the, earlier in the game? I feel like nobody's going to get lost because it's just walking okay. down the one side of the bridge. So technically, it's just a straight shot. And that should make it easy to program. 
uh, besides for the fact okay, that, yeah, yeah. you know, I have the glasses thing to program. But other than that, it's like you can only really just go forward and backwards. You take no left-hand turns or anything. Whereas with the Oregon uh, Trail, you know, historical site, because I went there and took pictures of there, too. Um, <laughs> I did not do a good job when I was originally taking pictures. And so it's like, well... You're 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 like hopping over a fence, or you know, when you're going forward, technically you're going really far to the right and a little bit forward. But I had to do it that way because I didn't have any other pictures which fits, so I I, I took the pictures wrong because mm. I think that was the area where I took test photos. It was just to see, hey, is it even possible to to make a game like that? And I didn't go back and retake more photos. How far do you have to drive when, when you're going to these locations, like in real life? Mm, not too far. I mean, Oregon City's not too big. Okay. Uh, let me pull up the map. Oh, that's good. Oh, man, there's another problem I ran into was... Uh, Uh-oh. Yeah, getting from one side of Oregon City to the other, because we're not going too far into the Oregon City. So I, I think the two farthest away locations from each other are still like 10 to 15 minutes away. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Good. I was I was I was prepared to feel bad if you had to, you know, drive like 40 minutes out of your way every time you were retaking photos. Yeah. So, um the the part of the map where it's harder to reach, um that's or the part of the town that's harder to reach and farther in, that's sort of mm -hmm. covered up by uh whatever you call on the map, the logo, the symbol, the the part that says, "Hey, this is the river, this is the highway, this is the road. Oh, the the legend. The, the legend. legend, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember geography. So the legend covers up the, the places that are harder to reach. Um, but one of those places is, is the college where they shot scenes from Twilight, specifically in the, the, oh, the part when they were in the uh, greenhouses. That's, that's our greenhouses right there. <laughs> and in our game, you will get to see... You will get to see a little bit of the um, the abandoned paper mill. They also filmed scenes from Twilight there, but we didn't get permission to break into the paper mill and take pictures. Uh, I didn't want to bother the, uh, the Native American tribes that own it, um, especially because it's middle of a pandemic. So, I recently learned that there's... Uh... An abandoned school near here that later turned into an abandoned furniture store. And I'm, like, frothing at the mouth to get in there and take pictures for a game. <laughs> like, that sounds like, yes, that's where our that's where our 9990 escape game is going to be set, in this building. <laughs> I don't think I legally can, but I want to so bad. Of course, then we'd have to write the game. But, more importantly, it's a great setting for a game. Yeah, oh. I was going to say one problem is um, I had to change the name of one of like the locations on the map screen and the map screen is like one of the it, it comes up pretty early on in the game. And so now whenever I try to mm -hmm. load an old save state, I the game crashes because oh, yeah. it wants me to restart from the beginning again to, to the, the, the point where I first mentioned that particular variable, which was elevator. Yep. I forgot I've, the I've staircase. Done that one a few yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, I did have Mary play through the game and made some changes based on what she did. Uh, oh right, yeah, you said in the there were some bugs in like the uh, the Oregon Trail minigame section. Yeah, there there were, and 
Also, she had a hard time finding, like, the, the lost sunglasses, so I, I tried changing the dialogue to make it more obvious. I don't know sure. if that's going to help, because I think she just, like, zoomed right through it without really reading what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> and Mary still does not understand the idea of, like, placeholder art. She complains. It's like, how come I'm doing the same <laughs> pose all the time? It's like, that's a terrible pose. It's like, it's a placeholder in the actual game. I'll change what it looks like. I've had so much trouble with stuff like that when I when I send builds out to testers. Like, I always try very hard to spell out, like, here are the things that are placeholders. Here are the things that are not going to be the final things in the final game. And they still get complaints that are like, I thought that screen that was just a big white box with text on it. I thought that was horrible. You should change that. Like, <laughs> I, said in the e- I said in the email, I'm going to. <laughs> oh, oh, well. Um, we, we, we have a, we have a listener question. Uh, it's, it's actually left over from last month, but we do have one if you want to, to talk about it a little bit. Okay. I think we got a little bit of time. It's from Sam over on Twitter. Sam asks, if you were both stuck on a deserted island and could only bring media, which three books, movies, and video games would you take? And I and I later uh, uh, followed up with Sam, and they did specifically want three for each of those things: three books, three movies, three video games. Um, and I'll I'll start with books to give you give you a moment to think about it. Um, my three books were <laughs> these answers I actually all wrote down last month, so I don't remember what I what I said. So we're gonna see what I said. Uh, for books, I suggested uh, a book. <laughs> on wilderness survival uh because i will 100 percent die uh without something that tells me what to do and then i also wanted the dungeons and dragons uh dungeon master and players guides so i can play D. uh hopefully if there's other people on the island i think that would provide an endless source of entertainment um i didn't i ran out of room to uh bring the monster manual with me so i'll have to just make up all the monsters myself isn't there like a compendium with all of them together you cheat that way oh gosh oh i didn't think of that oh man though that gives me room for a third book then uh uh i don't know yeah but let's that's that's great let's say i'll do that what about you hmm it feels like I'd have to pick long books or, uh, like I said, some sort of compendium. Um, oh, gosh. I have no idea. It's, it, it does, like you said, make sense to it's bring tough. a book which is useful, like how to escape an island. Um, yeah, oh, that would be even better, yeah. Also feels like you could get a book, you know, one of those long books, like the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Hmm. I'm using that as an example. I wouldn't want that one, but... Hmm. Are there edible books? That might help. Like, if you run out of food, you could have a book that you can eat. I feel like they generally don't have edible books. (laughs) (laughs) It's gotta be an edible book. Um, I don't know. Works of Shakespeare or the Bible, those are both really long books of literature. Um... Hey, there's an edible book festival, I'll have you know. Oh, no. Ew. Ugh. <laughs> Usually held on or around April 1st, also known as Edible Book Day. 
I think that might be an April Fool's Day joke, and it's not actually a... Uh... Oh, no! <laughs> this global event has been celebrated since 2000 in various parts of the world, where edible books are created, displayed, and small events are held. The creations are photographed and then consumed. All right, so I'm replacing all three of mine with edible books. <laughs> or actually, I guess that, that could be the third book I bring is a book that's apples or whatever. <laughs> book that tastes like apples? No, a book that just is a bunch of apples. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, so yes, you said I'm books? A lot of, like... Was it movies after books? Uh, yes, movies was the next one, yes. I feel like it's got to be... Oh, man. Some... Tr- I, I was gonna say Back to the Future trilogy. Um, mm. If that counts as just one, um, but yeah, I, I mean, if we can count the the D and D compendium as one, we can count Back to the Future trilogy as one. Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else. <laughs> I don't really have a, a favorite. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like those classic films. Um, I don't know. So you you had mentioned <laughs> Lord of the Rings as something that would work for a book, though you would not want to bring it yourself. Uh, I did sp- specify that I'd bring the Lord of the Rings extended cut, because that would last a very long time. Especially if you get the set with not just the, you know, the extended versions of the films, but also all of the uh, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. That's mm-hmm. like 20 hours of entertainment, something like that. Like, that would last. Of course, if we're on a deserted island, like, I don't know if we have, like, a Blu-ray player and a TV. I guess we're assuming that we also have those things available to us. Um, it's like Gilligan's I th- I think, Island, I, I guess. I think that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get a coconut to power my Blu-ray player. Well, I was going to say you're stuck on the island for a long time. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Up, but I don't think I liked the movie that much. Mm. But something along like those up? lines, too. One of those movies that you could just oh. watch over and over again and, uh, you know, get something new out of it each time. Well, maybe we go we go back to the, the, the book concept of something that uh, provides us with some needed skills, like some sort of, uh, you know, like DIY DVD that, that shows you how to catch snakes to eat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe something like that would be useful. Something something to learn fighting skills, maybe. Oh, obviously the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh... <laughs> oh, that... have we considered edible movies? <laughs> Are there... <laughs> uh, oh, no, it's just popcorn that comes up. Oh, this is... Oh, wait, here we go. This article from 2012, The Future of Cinema edible films yes mm. yes oh <laughs> uh, the uh tried out a screening the the electric cinema in london tried out a screening of pan's labyrinth where each audience member was given uh, okay so this is like have you ever heard of like like smellovision kind of movies where they give you like a sna- scratch and sniff card and yeah 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 i've heard of that i do they still? I thought they did it like once, and it was a terrible backfire. So actually, 
as an aside, they actually did it at our local Ithaca theater last year. Unfortunately, it was in the middle of a global pandemic, so I didn't really want to go to a movie theater. But they did do it. Like, yeah, it's like us. You get your little scratch and sniff card, and it says like at what point in the movie you scratch it to smell the decaying corpse or whatever that you see on screen. Anyway, these these people did that with food. <laughs> So you got like a tray with little morsels that you're supposed to eat during specific times of the movie. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is not an edible film, so that does not help us for these purposes. Um, let's let's move on to video games. I I, I wrote down a, a few pretty good choices for this. So um, my first choice was Rocket League because uh, that's a game that I can pretty much just play endlessly because. Uh, I really like driving my car into soccer balls, and, and especially if you can get like Wi-Fi on this island. I mean, you're already getting a PlayStation 4 and a TV, apparently, so I think we should be able to get Wi-Fi, too, uh, and I can just play that online with everybody. Yeah, playing um, an and online also maybe game I can... would work, because you'd be able to talk to people. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, if I could use this to talk to people, I can tell them, help, I'm stuck on this island, mm-hmm. through the voice chat in Rocket League. So that's perfect. Um, but I was also going to say whatever, like, the new Smash Brothers game is for kind of some similar reason would be fun. Uh, and uh, Skyrim uh, as just sort of this big open story game where you can spend a billion hours in it doing everything uh, would be very appropriate. And I'm pretty sure you can play Skyrim on a coconut, too, which would help. Mm-hmm. Actual coconuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, what, what, what video games would you bring? Uh, um, let's go with Batman for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, uh, Legend okay. of Zelda Ocarina of Time for the Nintendo 64, because that's also a really big, long game that you can play for yeah. a long, long time, too. Um, that is probably my favorite of those, uh, Zelda games. And, uh, I don't know, let's say Monkey Island, how's that? Oh, that's fun. Did did you bring that for me? <laughs> we'll play it on the island, and it will tell us how to escape. That's exactly how it works. Are we allowed to share resources, do you think? <laughs> You'll have to cool. trade your Lord of the Rings for my monkey island? I don't know. Yeah. You can't have my edible books, though. <laughs> okay. I think that about does it for this month's episode. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Paul M. Franzen, and Michael is at Argolfump, spelled exactly as it sounds. You can check out all of our games on Steam or itch.io, or just visit orock.com for the complete library. Our theme song is by Fifth Avenue. You can check them out on SoundCloud. And finally, if you have any questions about game development or our games specifically, we'd love to hear them. Email them to podcast at orock.com. Is there anything that you would like to add, Michael? Um, nope. My audio keeps cutting out, apparently. It does, yeah. Alright, bye everyone. Story will be told. Yeah, looks like we don't eat books around here. Oh, well.